The Small Town Business Podcast is sponsored by Visit Gippsland, the land of many wonders. Head to visitgippsland.com.au to plan your trip. Whether it's walking and hiking or cycling or driving, camping, fishing, drinking and eating, you'll be exploring some of the most unforgettable destinations around. Head to their website or get inspired by their social media. All the links are in the show notes. Maybe that's naive, but I I still believe it's the best way of doing it. Just share everything and help people out. If it doesn't come back to you directly, I think it still just creates a community and a culture where it's a bit more open and you're relying purely on how good you are rather than how good you say you are. Over the past two years, I've talked with a lot of people who took a redundancy or lost their jobs during the pandemic. People who found themselves with either no choice but to start their own business or in the case of this guest, saw an opportunity to take a risk and explore what he could build with his passion and knowledge and networks. I'm speaking with Doug Morchensky from Gippsland Adventure Therapy, a wellbeing service working with young people with disabilities or trauma to provide them with a safe space to explore the world, learn and have some fun. Doug is what I would call a really good egg. He's full of enthusiasm and passion for what he does and where he does it. And I discovered during this conversation that he's also incredibly good at introspection and knowing how to ask for help. I also discovered that we have a similar problem in our businesses, even though we are worlds apart in what we do. But we started the conversation by talking about place. So let's start there. I'm in Warrigal on Kurnai country. I've lived here on and off since I was a kid. And because my parents moved down from sunny far north Queensland to sunny, warm Gippsland, of all places, it's beautiful. We're in a temperate rainforest region. It's green and wet most of the year. I've been watching you grow Gippsland Adventure Therapy over the past couple of years and have enjoyed it immensely. It's been such an inspiring journey to watch and such a cool concept. So can you please explain to everyone what Gippsland Adventure Therapy is and how you came to be doing it. Gippsland Adventure Therapy is a youth wellbeing service and I use engaging outdoor activities or mostly outdoor activities to have a positive impact on young people's wellbeing and mental health. I work with young people 21 years and under And the majority of people at the moment that I'm working with either have funding through the National Disability Insurance Scheme, so they have a diagnosis of ASD or other disability, or they are young people that have experienced complex trauma and working with our child protection service or other childhood agencies. And some of them are even young people with more of a mainstream background where their parents are trying to help them re-engage into life basically. And mostly I work one-on-one with them and we do things that are relevant for them, that they find interesting and that are hopefully useful to increase their mental health. I started off as an adventure guide way back, I don't know how long ago now. And then for about 12 years, I worked for a not-for-profit for an out-of-home care agency running an outdoor program. I finished there, like a lot of places, probably halfway through the pandemic that sort of put a stop to that and I didn't want to move because this is our home and I didn't want to get a real job and I wanted to keep doing that sort of adventure outdoor work I saw the only choice was to start my own business 
So Gippsland Adventure Therapy was born, and here we are. I don't think I've taken a breath since. Watching it from the outside, I, I think I connected with you fairly early in the piece. I think I was going to organise a party, caving for my son, and, and even then you were just flat out, just booked solid. So it's obviously touched a nerve. Why do you think this particular brand of therapy is so popular? Why do you think people are coming to you? Especially with youth, the more of mainstream approach to well-being is maybe less engaging than going out and doing fun stuff outside. So I think I was blessed that over the past decade I'd spent a lot of my energy forming relationships with different out-of-home care or youth programs, but also the young people. So when I started this, I was already known for doing this type of thing. I've got three rules when I do anything with young people, and they're really very strict rules. And it's we've got to have fun because otherwise what's the point of doing it if it's not fun? And whatever we do, it has to be safe, and we talk about what that means for them emotionally and physically, and it's got to be useful, and useful as in we've got to be working towards a goal that makes their life better. And youth, especially youth that are, have a disability or that are in youth services, they spend their whole time getting told what they need to do and what's best for them. The way I approach it is whatever we're doing, they're in charge. We're doing it collaboratively and it's all about them. I say to them that this is your adventure. This is not my adventure. If you don't want to do it, there's no point forcing you to do it. So everything is tailored around what they need and what they want to do. If you make it all about them and you empower them and you respect the agency that they have, yeah, I guess that's sort of a bit of a winning recipe and maybe – small fish in a small pond too because there's not really anything else like this around so that was useful and the NDIS has definitely made it possible for people like me to run this sort of business and to give people that have that funding the freedom to choose to do these things. Tell us some of the activities that you take these kids on. It could be anything from going abseiling, going mountain bike riding, rafting, canoeing, paddleboarding, snorkeling, surfing. Sometimes it's spoon carving, rock climbing, bushwalking. It's not always high adventure. Like a lot of the time, it's very chilled. I have one young person where we go to a private bush block once a fortnight and we just play, and that's what works for them. Sometimes it's driving around in the car, and I have been known to take kids bowling too. So. It's not all adventure. That's what I put out there on my Instagram because that's what I love to do. But essentially, it's whatever works for them with the bias that hopefully we get to do it outside. Like yesterday, I took a young person abseiling and we didn't do any abseiling. Turns out that they decided they didn't like abseiling. So instead, we did a bunch of other stuff. But we were outside in a nice place and they felt safe and they had a great time. So that's the main thing. Who cares if we use ropes or not? Just earlier, you touched on the fact that you left in the middle of the pandemic and started something on your own. Now, you know, doing something like that is always a little bit scary, particularly when you have <laughs> a family and a very gorgeous dog to look after. How did you do it? I have to be honest that I was in a very lucky situation where I got a redundancy. That was a bit of a safety net to get it started but this is our entire income for the family it's, it's only one source that it comes from and there is no plan b it was terrifying still is 
what I do in the outdoors and the outdoor therapy and with young people, that's my art. I know know, I could talk for hours about it to anyone that's willing to listen. So I know that through and through. The business side of the stuff, I have no idea how to run a business. I'm still not sure. But I I guess I had enough relationships that I, I knew that the word would get out there and I trusted in myself to be able to figure out the business stuff. But maybe the real success was that I either had mentors or I went and annoyed some people until they agreed to be a mentor in the business realm and outsourced what I could. So things like my dad is a bookkeeper and he used to be a bank manager, so he does my books because I would be knackered without him. I don't know how to do a bass statement. I trusted in myself to know that the next step I would figure out, and I didn't know what I didn't know, and I think if I did know everything that was required to start a business, even a small business like mine, would be way too scary and I probably would never do it. I just believed that I would be able to figure it out, and the fact that there was no plan B meant that it had to work. But definitely outsourcing things that I knew that I didn't have the skill set to do and just getting mentors and finding a community. I started a peer support group because I was reaching out to people and saying, I need your help. I'm going to run this business. And then realized that there wasn't a place for people doing an outdoor helping service. So I started a peer support group and that's been a huge help. All of a sudden, I don't feel like I'm on my own. So I'm not making these decisions by myself or it feels like I'm not making them by myself. I love that you've gone and sought people who other people might normally think, oh, that's my competition. They're the last people that I want to speak to. I think that's a really mature way to look at business. Yeah, absolutely. I, I probably have a utopian view of this where, and it's not my, I stole it from somewhere else, so it's not mine, but it was share everything. So I'm not going to share my credit card pin number, but I will share anything if anyone wants. They say, oh, have you got a, what was the risk management you did for this? And I spent hours doing it, but I was like, here, have it. Because, I mean, it's going to help. Like if they're safer at running activities, then the industry gets better. And then we all get better because then we're aspiring to be as safe as each other or as good as each other. And I guess in my space, we're far enough spaced apart that there's enough market for all of us. And It only takes one bad apple for a bad reputation. So in other countries like the States, the US, there's this thing called wilderness therapy and there's a couple of operators that are doing some things that are questionable in terms of human rights. But that has given the whole industry such a bad rep. We don't have that here yet and hopefully we never will. If we share everything, then we're all going to get better. And the other thing is if I've written a program for something and someone wants it, I'm like, yeah, go for it. And if they copy it exactly, it's still not going to be me. If someone tries to steal a client off me, well, they're not my clients anyway. I don't own them. And if they go to this other service, then clearly I'm not providing something that is relevant enough for them to stay with me. And if that's the case, I don't want to work with them if they're not vibing what I'm doing. I don't know, maybe that's naive, but I, I still believe it's the best way of doing it. Just share everything and help people out. And if it doesn't come back to you directly, I think it's still just creates a community and a culture where it's a bit more open and you're relying purely on how good you are rather than how good you say you are? I don't think it's naive to have that attitude. And I think one of the things that has really come across, even in the people that I have been speaking to for this podcast, is that when you're in a smaller community, 
you are more aware of everybody around you. You're more aware of what's needed and what's missing. And I think you're more attuned to that, to the community around you. I don't think it's naive to share things. I actually think it's a very smart way to do business because you're right. If everybody is sharing that knowledge and sharing those those mistakes that you make and how to be safer, it really has a knock-on effect across your particular industry, yes, but also in the community as well. You were talking earlier about equipping yourself with people rather than skills, you know, having people in your life that you can call on to help you set up the business, the financial staff, the marketing staff, all of these things. I think that's a really good piece of advice because a lot of startup businesses, they think that they have to wear all the hats and that can be really stressful. It means then if you're taking on all of that responsibility and all of that risk, then you don't have someone external looking at this and telling you if you're going wrong. Where did you go outside of your family? Where did you go to find these mentors? So some of them are are past bosses and managers that I've had. I've got two, three really amazing people that mentored me when I was in my early 20s and I'm still connected with them and I talk to them quite a lot. I ring people too and I'm like, hey, this is me would you help please? (laughs) So there's a few people that had started a business already and I introduced myself and asked if they would be willing to just spend a couple of minutes or a couple of hours chatting to me about things. And they were really gracious about that. I think I've just got a knack for being myself, if that makes sense. I'm not very good at doing anything that I'm not totally authentic with. And that's the same as the business is like, I can't do it any other way but me. Part of that is meeting people and forming a relationship with people. And I think I do that well. And that's been a real help in gaining mentors because I've rung people and I've been really honest with them about who I am and what I'm doing and asked for help. And they gave it to me. And then the peer support group, I saw that that was a good idea. So I started that and we help each other. And with the people that are involved there, oh, there's almost no problem that someone hasn't already come across and we workshop it together and it's just, I worked so hard to try and make it a safe and inclusive and helpful space and it's helped me so much. I, I think I just bugged people until they said yes. When I say bugged people, I wasn't annoying. I just, I put myself out there. But being an authentic and genuine and open person makes it easy for people to want to see you succeed and want to help you. Like I I feel that way about you because I know that we met because you were volunteering for something that I had started up that I was doing and you were one of the first people to stick your hand up and say, yep, I'll help out. And I always really appreciated that about you. And so I can see that there's a lot of that give and take in the community. If you give, People see that, people know that about you and they're more more willing to give you that time and energy to help you when you need it, which is an important thing. And it's actually becoming a little bit of a theme with these interviews that people that I'm speaking to are often in positions where they are giving a lot back to the community or starting things. You you talked about having a, a safety net of redundancy, but you've also got a safety net of your network and your community. And you wouldn't have that 
if you hadn't generated that, if you hadn't given a lot. One of my mentors said to me, your success is because of your reputation, which you totally deserve and earned, and you've spent the last 10, 12 years building it. Don't stuff it up because (laughs) that is a big reason of your success and keep doing that. Don't try and do anything that you're not and keep doing what you're doing because that that's why people want to engage with you so don't forget that and she's right and you're right i think there's a chance with running a business you can be lured into trying to be bigger or trying to overreach i think it's really important that you only do what you know that you can confidently do to the best of your ability as a small business because as soon as you overreach and stuff it up someone has a bad experience of you and we don't live in a big enough place for that not to mean something. People really want to engage with businesses that are authentic and that they see, you know, are doing it for the right reasons. Like none of us choose to want to go and put our money in a massive multinational chain, which we know doesn't care about us. Like everyone wants to engage with somebody who they believe at some level cares about them. And running a small business in a, well, I guess we're semi-rural community, that's really important. And like I was chatting to Ali the other week about... Ali being your wife. Oh, yeah, sorry, my wife, my, my legendary wife who just told me that you'll be right, you'll make it work, off you go. We're talking about where are the efficiencies in the business that we can tighten up, like how much time do I spend talking to parents or replying to emails, not using templates or whatever? Is there any part of this that you can sort of automate or whatever? And I was like, no, nah, I really don't think that I can because... That's what sets me apart is the fact that I want to engage not just with the young person who I'm working with, but with their family, with their other care networks, with maybe other professionals. And on a authentic personal level, obviously professionally, and there's boundaries and all that sort of stuff, but people want that. And rather than rock up, we'll do our session, all right, see ya, off you go. I want to make sure that I'm providing them the best possible experience that I can. Don't get me wrong, it's exhausting, but that's what my business is built around and I think that's why people engage with it. So I can't overreach. I can't just try and get really big because then all of a sudden it's not Doug running these things and maybe it's because I'm a control freak, but it could very easily just spiral out of control and I don't have the ability to hold those genuine relationships anymore. That resonates so hard with me because I'm working with someone at the moment on trying to automate, trying to tighten up some of my processes because I spend a lot of time on stuff. But I'm like you, I'm like, but I don't want to automate that part because I don't want to have that sausage factory kind of approach to things. I don't know, maybe we are control freaks or maybe we just care. But you look at your like your social media and how you give out all of that social media advice and it's all about being authentic and not doing what everyone else does and i tried when i started like oh, i gotta do this social media thing and i all right i need to learn about algorithms and i need to schedule posts and i need to do this and i need to do that and i read some of your material and i just went no nah, i can't do it stuff it i'm not doing it if it's not fun i'm not doing it with social media i just whatever i did that day if i think it's good i'll just post it usually while Maybe one of the kids is in the bath or something. One of your kids. Yeah, one of my kids, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Clarify that. But yeah, because it, yeah, it's authentic. That's me. And I think as much as it can be. And this is why I can't automate things as well is because I would not tell you to do things that didn't feel good. And, and I would also 
argue that it would be obvious if you were creating stuff that was really super polished. Like if you went out and got a social media manager and they started doing really slick, timely, polished stuff, I would argue that that could damage your business. Part of the joy of following you is actually the joy. It's the passion that comes through. And no, it's not always beautifully put together and but it's fun like I I do distinctly remember during the pandemic because you weren't able to do what you normally do you were going out and doing like night walks like spotlighting in trees and doing like live things and I watched a few of those with my kids and it was great yeah that was as much for me as it was for anyone else (laughs) the thing that I bang on about with social media and marketing and stuff like that all the time is there is no template for this stuff or there shouldn't be. And what works for one person isn't necessarily going to work for you. And there are elements of luck and there are elements of timing and there are elements of personality, your personal brand. And anybody who's watching at home, if you go and look up Gippsland Adventure Therapy on Instagram, for example, you'll see that Doug is distinctive, but that makes you that's part of your visual identity. That's part of your brand. When I'm scrolling through Instagram, I stop if I see your face because I go, oh, this will be fun. He'll be off doing something while I'm sitting at my desk and he's like cooking a fish over a fire. And he's just from his kayak somewhere. And it makes me intensely jealous, but it is recognizable. Just coming back to this idea of place and where you are, what's the best thing about having a business, growing a business, starting a business in, in a small town like Warrigal? I reckon there's two things. So Warrigals, I call it an hour from everywhere. There are so many really great spots, even half an hour, 20 minutes from Warrigal, where we've got waterfalls, we've got caves, we've got big old trees. The beach is an hour away. So as far as like running sessions for young people, and I go all the way down to Latrobe Valley and Bass Coast and Wellington and South Gippsland too, but I can pick someone up from Warrigal and in 15 minutes we're at a cool spot. There might be a creek, there might be a tree. It's so diverse that I never run out of things to do. And also I think running my own business is probably the first time in my public life that I've really truly just put myself out there what I stand for and what I believe in and it's been really validating that the feedback coming back from community is that they're like yes we appreciate that regardless of whether or not they engage with me in my business people like yourself that just give me that feedback I think being in a in a small place that's easier to get rather than trying to be amongst all the noise of a big city Being here has been great for the business. I think if I picked it up and put it somewhere else, I wouldn't have had the success that I've had for, who knows, a a million reasons probably. Before we finish up, can you please tell people how they can find you? Yep, they can Google Gippsland Adventure Therapy. I have a website. I have an Instagram. I have a Facebook. It's just me, so I don't hold a waiting list. So it can be frustrating for people. I'm really sorry, but please get in touch. If you just want to chat about the service, I'm more than willing to have a conversation via email and you can get all that through my website. So if you're a parent with a young person who you think needs this type of service, advocate for them to whoever it is that is coordinating services for your young person because you have the power and 
all of these services are structured around helping young people and if you believe that something like this or other service will help them then you know don't wait for the supporting services to figure it out tell them and i think the more people that can tell helping services what they need that'll help everyone get better at providing that Small Town Business was recorded on the lands of the Gunai Kurnai, and I would like to pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Big thanks to Chris at Jetstreamer for production and editing support. I'd be talking into a tin can without you. Don't forget to subscribe or follow. And if you like what you hear, please write a review to help me reach more people. Thanks for listening.